This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the radio program, Warning, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today, we're playing a recording from February 16, 2008, where Dr. E.J. Buckhart shares the message, Trusting in God, Good Times and Bad, Even in the Face of Impossibilities. This message was recorded as Dr. Hansen led a team to Kenya during the 2008 elections and the ensuing election violence. You will hear this referred to as Dr. Buckhart shares this message. Now, let us begin. I'm going to ask some questions to start with because the, the message is going to be trusting in God in good times and bad times, even in the face of impossibilities. Uh, last week, uh, we titled Jeannie's message, uh, Don't Give Up. And so that phrase will be carrying throughout this one where we'll come in a place that says, never quit praying or crying out to the Lord. So it's kind of a follow-up with what Jeannie had last week. Some of the questions that I want you at the end that we'll deal with is, what are some of your emotional struggles? Uh, I think each and every one of us personally has some struggles which we will never probably share with anyone, okay? But I'm gonna ask the questions and so think about that. What are some of your emotional struggles? Uh, the physical struggles we all know. We know when somebody's sick because there's no way you can cover it up. If you got a cold, you get it like a half. If you break a bone, you're going to have your foot in the cast. So in other words, physical, the physical problems we all see, and of course a lot of times that's why we pray for, because we pray for the physical needs that we see. But there's also a lot of emotional uh, problems that we can cover up so no one can see them other than the Lord, or unless someone gives us a word of knowledge and we can sense it. So think about some of the emotional struggles that you have. If we are a true Christian fellowship, we should be able to help you through the emotional struggles as well as your physical struggles. Okay, some of the other things. What is some of the issues, your heart issues? Not your physical heart, but your, the heart issues. Things that you think about when you're by yourself. Uh, things that bother you. Uh, things you'd like to see changed. And what are some of your fears? Okay, what are some of your fears that you, you won't share with? Uh, but remember the message is never give up, never quit praying, and never quit crying out to the Lord. 
So you may not want to cry out to one of us, but at least you can cry out to the Lord and let the Lord answer those questions. Okay, true faith is a full revelation of the love of the Heavenly Father towards us. Okay, it's the Heavenly Father's love towards us, not our love towards the Heavenly Father, even though that's what He wants from us, is to show our love and respect for Him. But the true faith comes because God first loved us. We need to remember that. Uh, look at Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17. Okay, let's take a look at that scripture. Rather close. Zephaniah, before Haggai, 3.17. The Lord is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He's not talking our love. He says our rest in his love. And he will joy over thee with singing. In other words, God is actually going to be singing praises because of his love towards us. And I think that's something that we sometimes miss, is that he's singing praises of his love over us. So once again, when God says he rests, he rests and he rejoices in his love for us. If you go back to Genesis, remember that in the creation story, he always says, and it was good, and the third day he and the, and the last day he rested, and he rested, and he rejoiced in what he had created. He was very, very happy about this whole thing. I'm going to be taking one of the things that I've discovered is preaching or writing. Uh, most people will write based on the circumstances that they're facing. I can go through some messages I've given. I can go through Pastor Hansen's message. I can go through Dave Wilkins' message. I can go through the Bible and read the Psalms. And what is David? He's talking about something that's taking place in his life at the time. That's what he's writing about. So it's, it's interesting. If you really want to understand what the Bible says, you kind of have to understand the circumstances in which the Bible was written. Who was the person that wrote it? If you're listening to messages, if you really start to analyze it, you can tell what a person is, is thinking, what's on his mind, what he's going through. What are the struggles he has at this time? And uh, I'm going to be working with two different people. One is going to be Pastor Hansen on the love of Christ, and the other one is going to be with David Wilkerson. And the one on Pastor Hansen, since I know him so well, uh, well, I know him fairly well, let me put it that way. But when I know when he's speaking on messages, there's something that he has been struggling with, either himself or with the ministry or with what the Lord has given him concerning the nations. And therefore, his message will relate to that. And to really understand what is he trying to say, you sometimes need to understand what he's going through. And the lover of Christ, when he gave that message, I knew what he was going through. He was going through some very physical, tough times. And he had to rely, coming back to this, really, it's the love of the Lord. And he made three or four different messages on it. And it's really interesting to see that this is how it works. Uh, so even though we look at the Bible and we say we need to analyze in the Bible, what about the culture? What about the times? What was David going through? What was the, what was the prophets going through? What was Jesus going through? 
And we analyze that all the time. But sometimes we need to look at pastors and preachers when they're giving messages. What are they going through so you can better understand what they're saying? And it's, it's a lot easier to do that. And now we're talking about the love of Christ, that uh, God rests in his love for us. And the next passage, let's read Psalm 103, 10 through 14. Psalm 103, 10 through 14. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Okay. I'm going to be reading here from this Love of Christ, Part 1, which Pastor Hansen had written. He says, Many people in the church today do not understand God. Okay. Many people in the church do not understand God. Now, we're not talking about those outside the church. Where he's writing to the saints. He's writing to those within the church. And he goes on to say, they do not understand Jesus Christ. So, in other words, there's possibility that we who are in the church do not fully understand who Jesus Christ really is. Until he affects us in some way and we get to know him very personally. Through maybe sometimes your emotional problems or physical problems or psychological problems or financial problems. Then we start to know him a little bit more, especially about his love and his mercy and his grace. He says they, once again, the people in the church, live in constant fear and condemnation instead of peace and security. And when you read scripture, Jesus says that we should be able to live in peace and security. We should not have to fear man or the situations that we're in, the circumstances. We have no fear of that. The only fear we have is the fear of God who can destroy us or put us in the punishment where we would have eternal punishment instead of eternal salvation. All Christians need to realize is that Jesus Christ loves them unconditionally. It says all Christians need to realize is that Jesus Christ loves them unconditionally. You've heard many sermons preached on the unconditional love of God. But what does it really mean? What does it mean that God loves you unconditionally? And that's what we're talking about here is God rests in his love for us. That's where the unconditional love comes. It's not what we do or how we respond to him. It's because he first loved us. Says, Jesus is not waiting to condemn Christians for every wrong thought or action. We know that we are not responsible for the initial thoughts that pop into a mind. What do you mean we're not responsible for initial thought? Because the enemy will put thoughts in their minds. They do not come from the Lord. Yes, there's thoughts that come from the Lord, but there's also thoughts that come from the enemy. And these thoughts are constantly flooding our minds every day because we live in a fallen world and Satan will always tempt us. Remember I talked about the questions. What are some of your emotional needs? What are those things that you think about? What are some of the fears you have? They are flooding your mind constantly. Uh, when am I going to get physically healed? When am I going to get better? When am I going to get over this cold? 
When am I no longer have to live from paycheck to paycheck, which isn't enough to make the needs for my family? All of these things. These are things that come into our mind, are constantly flooding our minds. And when our mind is constantly flooded by Satan, especially things of those kind of things that we're not supposed to fear or worry about, when they do that, we're not thinking on the Lord. We're taking ourselves away from what the Lord wants to do is to think about Him. He says, we are only responsible to choose to continue to dwell on a bad thought. In other words, if some thoughts come into our minds, uh, we're not to dwell upon it, but to cast it off. Turn from evil. And if we do sin, we can always ask God to forgive us. This is not a crutch. But the fact that we do live in a physical body, we live in a physical world, we are not sanctified, we are not fully glorified, we will make mistakes. We will sin. So, but we need to ask God to forgive us. And we need to, ask other, uh, we need to forgive others. But we can always go to God to ask for forgiveness. The Bible tells us that, that we will be forgiven instantly with no condemnation from the Father. In other words, the scripture passage says that he cast our sins to the depths of the ocean as far as the east is from the west. They've been forgiven. So we're not supposed to be coming back up with all our past sins. And there's not one in here that does not have past that we that is fully pure. We've all sinned. So it's got to be the enemy that keeps bringing these things back to us. If these things are going through your mind about something in the past that you've asked forgiveness about, it's not from the Lord coming back and saying, I want you to repent. It's the enemy saying, you're not worthy of receiving God's love for you. So what he's saying. Yes, it's true that we, have human, that we are human and thoughts will come to us daily. These may be thoughts we did not choose and sometimes we're ashamed of. But is the reason that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ. Jesus came to die for you and me to pay the penalty for ever sins we have committed in thought, word, or deed. All we have to do is ask Him to forgive us, and Jesus will instantly forgive and remember your sins no more. And that's where we're at in Psalms 103. Many people feel condemned because of their sinful lifestyle of the past. Always coming back up. Always things are coming back up. Uh, in relationships, if someone says, you know, I forgive you, and then it's always popping back up, have they really forgiven you? Or if you bring something up in a relationship, something that was done in the past, and you, have you really forgiven that person? If you have, why do you keep bringing it back up? Why do you keep bringing it back up? You shouldn't have to. The Word of God states that we need to leave the past behind us and move on to the future with a determination not to willingly commit those same types of sins. Jesus said to the woman at the well, at the woman in adultery, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her for her sins. He forgave her sins, but says go and sin no more. If we do sin again, Jesus is there and his shed blood will cover us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a thought out there that people say, well, God's going to forgive me. If I come and ask for forgiveness, I can do anything I want. God's going to forgive me. There's a lot of truth to that. God will forgive you. This is where it gets to be a problem. He'll forgive you for the sin, but will he 
forgive you for the intention that you actually spitting in God's face by doing it over and over again, testing God to the point where you continue to forgive me. And there comes a point in time where Jesus says, enough's enough. You will have to pay a penalty for continuing in that sin. And this is why in, in divorce, uh, people have gone through one or two or three or four divorces. It keeps going on because they're causing the sin over and over. It, it has its penalties. It has its hardships that come with it. And so one has to understand, you've you got to stop continually sinning. God does not forgive. Will God forgive you if you come penitent with a heart? But if you just come to God with saying, oh, I know God, you're going to forgive me, so I'll just keep doing it. I think you're looking at a God that you forgot about the just. This is a God of love. But he's also a just God. Now, David Wilkinson says that, and this is in Zephaniah 3.17, I'm going to bring it back, that the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Scripture tells us that he rests and rejoices in his love for us. Now, the Hebrew word for rest used here means that God hasn't a single question concerning his love for us. In other words, he has fixed or settled his love for us. It's not conditional on what we do. His love is fixed, and he will never take it away. We can reject it, but he won't take it away. In fact, we are told God is so satisfied in his love for us, not our love for him, but his love for us, that he sings about it. This is who our Father is. He loves us so much, he sings about his love for us. Okay, someone open up to Titus 3, 3 through 7. Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, Paul is saying sometimes we are foolish, disobedient, and deceived. In other words, everything is out of order in our lives. Our faith is not that of an overcoming one. But the kindness and love of God appeared, which Christ said on us abundantly through Christ. When Paul uses the word appeared, he uses a word from the Greek word meaning superimposed. In short, what the Lord is saying, He looked down upon us, the poor struggling souls, with our fears and our questionings, and He superimposed His revelation. My love will deliver you. Rest and delight in my love for you. In other words, our life relies upon God's love, Jesus Christ's love for you and me. It's not my love for Him. It's His love for us. And that will never change. No matter what your circumstances are, that will never change. That's a very important key. And David goes on to say, I thank God for this day His love appeared to me. 
For there is no faith that can stand against impossibilities unless everything, every problem, every affliction is completely committed into the loving care of our Father. My situations, even at the worst, I must rest in simple faith that God loves me. You may not see God's love in our life, but God is at work in our life. So we never, ever quit praying. We never quit crying out to the Lord. We're not going to read Psalm 88, but if you look at Psalms 88, this is a man who's crying out to the Lord, and his soul is full of trouble. He's down in the bottom of the pit. He's facing death. He's dying. And he says that God has laid me in the lowest pit of darkness. His wrath lies hard on me. My friends have forsaken me. I am shut up. I'm closed in. I mourn because of my afflictions. And Heman challenges God now and says, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall the loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark? Are thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? What Heman is saying is, I need a miracle, and I need it now. Have you ever felt you've been in a situation and say, Lord, I need an answer, and I need it now. Or, Lord, I want it now. Uh, both of those, I think, sometimes comes. Lord, I need it now, I want it now. And I don't want it at the resurrection, Lord. I know you're going to take me home to be with heaven, but I've got a world here that I'm living in. I've got a family to take care of. I got pains and aches, and I got financial problems. I want it taken care of now. Yeah, I know the promise that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, but I want it now, okay? This is my last hope. Soon it's going to be too late because I'm going to be dead. And then what can I do? You face a deadline here, God. You need to help me, or it's going to be too late. Why do you keep casting me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Why don't you answer my cries. Have you ever been there? Amen. Or you know somebody who has been there Amen. that you've had to work with? Now here I'm going to take some things from some godly men. Okay, These are some of the things you need to do when these things happen. There's men and women who have experienced all these things. They're not new to you. They're not new to me. They're, not, they're going to be something that's not going to disappear. My children are going to have to face it. My grandchildren are going to have to face it. So we need to go back and trust some of the people who've gone through these things and said, what was it that helped them through those dark hours? And David Wilkerson gives three to start with. He says, I receive and believe in the love and the delight of my Heavenly Father. And if you reread Pastor's article, Hanson's articles on part one, two, and three, you'll see he's saying the same thing. I believe and receive his love, that's God's love, for me. It's taking the eyes off yourself and putting your eyes upon the Lord. We sang that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Now that's a lot of easy thing to say when you're suffering. Or if you're going through martyrdom, turn your eyes on Jesus. You think of Stephen. He died with a smile on his face and he's being stoned with and stones hurt. And there's pain involved in that. But he looked upon Jesus, and he had a smile on his face. Okay, so it's on the love of Jesus. Also, he says, too, I pour my heart before him, 
crying to him. In other words, know about his love for us that will never fail. Number two, you pour your heart out. God is willing to listen to your cries. He even knows what's going on, but when you cry out to him, he's still going to hear it. And he knows what's going on. And then he says, three, I encourage my soul with his promises. And so now we're going to go into some of the promises of God. I'll just read a little bit out of here before we get to that on, on what Pastor Hansen said. The scriptures reveal our dependency on what Christ has done for you and for me because we could not accomplish it ourselves. Give up trying to do it your way. Look in the scriptures and start doing it God's way and things will work. We must forgive and love ourselves in order to forgive and love others. I think this is one of the things a lot of people have to stop is loving yourself. We don't have a hard time loving those other people. We can show love and care and kindness to other people, but sometimes we have a hard time doing it towards ourselves. And he says, a person having a hard time forgiving himself usually has a hard time in life. So if you're having a hard time in life, have you forgiven yourself? Don't stop to think about maybe that someone did something you can't forgive them about. Think whether or not have you forgiven yourself for what you've done. And there's not one in here that knows that can say, hey, I screwed up and I screwed up royally. Have you forgiven yourself? No one else needs to forgive you. You need to forgive yourself. Instead of being a testimony to others and filled with the joy in the presence of God and the peace of God, now you become filled with fear, torment, and sadness because you haven't forgiven yourself. Okay, let's look at some of the scriptures that when our faith and strength may be weak and, we're, and the weakness sets in, God has given us promises to renew and to strengthen us. Okay, Samuel 22, various verses there. 2 Samuel 22, 2-3 And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge. My Savior, thou savest me from violence. Verses 17 and 18 He sent from above, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He, del he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. Verses 31 through 33. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. Verse 40, For thou hast girded me with strength to battle, them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. This is David's psalm of praise. One thing that we need to learn to do, and I've mentioned it many times before, is that when we're down in the dumps, hurting, we need to start praising the Lord. Amen. His love is there for us. We need to praise Him. So this whole psalm is David's, we call it David's praise psalm. So can you say, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, and him will I trust. He is my shield. In other words, he's the one that's going to protect me from the fiery darts of the enemy. He is the horn of my salvation, my high tower, a place in which you can run into for protection, and my refuge, my savior, my savior. 
that saveth me from violence. I think Pastor and the team can come back and say as they went through the roadblocks and went into the area of violence that the Lord did protect them. And so that is very, very important. And David is showing us in the Psalms of Praise. 17, he sent from above and he took me and drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me and from them that were too strong for me. David could look back and see the times that God intervened in his life. And he could go back to those times and ask God and praise God for that. And that gave him strength in the present battles that he had to face. Because the battle still kept going. David had battles all of his life. But he could look back and see when God was victorious, he had praised the Lord, and with that praise he was able to carry on the battles that he had and knew the Lord would be in his battles. He could trust the Lord. The trust was the Lord was going to be faithful. Yet he cried out to the Lord. And 31, his way is perfect. God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. God is my strength and power and maketh my way perfect. God's way is perfect. So if we think we can come up with a better way, we've got a big surprise coming for God's way is the best way. And so our prayer is that, that we will do things God's way. Go to 1 Samuel. Let's read 1 Samuel 2.4. I'll do that one. 1 Samuel 2.4. I'm just going to read verse 4 here, I believe. Uh, the verse... Uh, 1 through 10 is actually Hannah's song of praise. We just read David's song of praise. And may I suggest, when you're having difficulties and struggles, read these two portions of Scripture. How David could praise, how he looked back and gave praise to God so he could trust the future. And here's Hannah's song of praise, another song of praise. Well, how am I supposed to praise the Lord? Well, you can go to the Word of God and find out how people praise the Lord. And this is Hannah. And it says, 1 Samuel 2, 4, And the bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that stumbled are girded with strength. If you have just stumbled, if you have just fallen, if you have just done something which is not God's way of doing things, you've just stumbled, God will pick you up. Remember that. God will pick those that are stumbled are girded with strength. Whose strength? Not yours, but his strength. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Is this just a phrase of scripture? Or is there truth in this? There's truth in it, okay? We need to have the faith that it takes to know when we're in trouble, when we stumble, we're going to be girded with his strength. We just read that one. And then the Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Even in the difficulties of the situation, in the circumstances that you're in, God can and says he will bless us with peace. I'm sure, Pastor, when he made the decision to go into western Kenya, where the violence at, the Lord had given him peace to go. 
Was the violence still going to be there? Yes. But the Lord gives peace. This is, I think, how missionaries or men of God and women of God can go into a, into a very difficult, dangerous situation because they prayed about it, and the Lord says, Go, I'll protect you, and they have a peace about it. And in that peace is where their strength comes. It's not from their physical knowledge. Their physical heart would probably tell them, don't go. I mean, every leader that I know in Kenya told Pastor and his team, don't go. But Pastor, I know, said he had a peace about it, and they went, and they came back safe and sound and was able to minister. And he's having some tremendous meetings right now because he was faithful, but he had that peace. We need as we face our personal battles, to ask the Lord, give me the peace that you said in your scripture, that you said in your Psalms, so that I can deal with the battle and have the victory. Psalm 68.35. Psalm 68.35. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. The God of Israel, is that the God of Esther? Is that the God of Rhonda? Is that the God of Jamie? Is that my God, the God of Israel? Is that our God? The God of Israel, that's, that's our God, folks. Is he that gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Psalm 71, 9 and verse 16. We'll just read 9 and verse 16. It's a little different I have up there. Psalm 71, verses 9 and 16. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even thine only. Forsake me not when my strength fails. Lord, that's a cry. In other words, we said that never ever stop crying out to the Lord in your circumstance. Forsake me not when my strength fail. This is a crying out to the Lord. That is a good cry. It's a good prayer. I will go into the strength of the Lord. And Psalms 84, 5 and verse 7. Psalms 84, verse 5 and verse 7. Psalm 84, verses 5 and 7. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Okay, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, that's in the Lord, for they go from strength to strength, not from weakness to strength, but they go from strength to strength. I thought that was interesting. He doesn't say you go from weakness to strength, but you go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Now, in your own mind, in your own self, stop to think right now. We have the promises of God that when we're weak, He will be our strength. His love will never fail us. We have nothing to fear of His love. He's always going to have open hands and an open heart to receive you. All of us in here, basically, I think, have had godly fathers 
where we can go up and sit in their lap. Uh, this is sometimes a difficulty for those who haven't had because when God says, you know, come to your father with, who has open arms, and it's not going to be one that's going to necessarily scold you. Uh, there is correction in mind, but many times that when you're crying, you're hurting, you could jump up in your father's lap and you know you have protection. The home is supposed to be a home where you can come in and be protected, not to be misused or abused or as if you're not welcome in this home. You know, home should be that way. That's where I would expect that my kids and my grandkids could come at any time, no matter what the problem is, and my love would not change, okay? You want to have the love of a father. And as Christians, that's one thing, we can't change necessarily how we, where we grew up and who our parents were. But we can do one thing, we can change how we're going to be when we are parents, okay? And we can help our children and our grandchildren to have to show that type of a love. If we can do this within a Christian family, and it can start with this group, then we'll be able to show the world what is truly does God mean that I, that I rest in you and I rest in my love for you. I learned that lesson of my father, and I've been very blessed with my father. I don't even remember he was spanking me, but I'm sure he did. Uh, I wasn't a perfect child, I'm sure, but I do remember, and I've told this before, and I respect my father so much for this, is that I was out working on a corn picker with an adjustable wrench, and those who know what adjustable wrench are, they're knuckle scratchers, and they just don't work that well, but they come in handy. And I went to get a bolt off, and it let go, and I let out some words, which, if you're born and raised in a Christian family, you do not use. You do not take the Lord's name in vain and use other words. I didn't know no, my dad was around me. But he walked over and says, son, oh boy, you got a problem? I says, yes, dad, I can't get this nut off. He says, give me the wrench. He grabs the wrench, tightens up, and hands it back the wrench and says, there you go. He walked away. He never scolded me. He could have. But I, I learned something then. And that was the last time I think I really kind of let loose in such a fashion. There are times I still to this day will let loose. Karen knows. She's my wife. She's seen me sometimes when I let go. But she hasn't seen me let go like I did that day. But so it changes. But in other words, you get to see the love of a father. What he did, he came over and helped me out of my predicament, is what he did. And this is what we need to do as fathers and mothers, is to be able to show that type of a love to our children. Now, a lot of times, we want to emphasize the fact that we need to discipline our children. That is correct. Uh, the spanking is a tool that God gave. That's why you put a little cushion on your bottom side in the back so it won't hurt you. I mean, it'll hurt you, but you don't have as many feelings back there as you do other places in your body. It's designed for some people have more padding than others. And as little kids, they'll always remember to end up putting two or three extra diapers in there when they know they got to get spanked. So it helps cushion the bottom side. Don't laugh. Everybody's done this. They've been spanked. You know, you do things like this. So there, there's a place for discipline, too. Because if you don't do the discipline, you, you start not to understand the true love of a father or of a mother. In other words, there's a respect. There's an honor for the parent. 
and that's respect. If you learn that respect through that means, I tell you what, you will respect your teachers in school. And right now, you know, you just, it really sad what it is. And I was reading this book, The Character and Life of the Civil Institutions of the United States. In other words, we had a book there, The Christian Life and Character by Don Hawkinson, that talked about the Christian life character of the people, of the men of the early formation of America. This goes into the life and character of the, of the civil institutions, the state, as the church. And I tell you, it's just amazing in there, of all the references to the Lord Jesus Christ, how many times in the 1774 through seven, to 1780, in the Constitution, Declaration of Independence was signed in the 1776, the leaders of the states and of the nation would call for a day of fasting for the next month or whatever it was. A day of fasting for prayer, repentance, and because the nation had sinned and they needed God's, they needed God's help over and over and over and over again. Why was this nation blessed? They learned these few things. Go to the Lord when you have difficulties. I mean, they were in war. Some of the times the country was in war. They still went to the Lord and asked for the Lord's help because they were not able to do it in and of themselves. And so children that are here, that, you know, when you get to the point to where you can't do it by yourself, don't go, you know, go to your parents. And parents, when the children come to you, <laughs> come with open arms. Uh, one of the things you don't want to do, which is very tempting, many times say, I'm too busy right now. That is something that we cannot do. If you do that too often, you're going to lose your kids. They're not going to come to you. They're going to somebody else. They'll go to somebody that's going to listen to them. Now, hopefully, if they go to listen to somebody else, <laughs> they're a Christian person. But if they're not, you're going to have on your hands a rebellious nature. So it's very important when grandkids come or, or your children come to you, take the time you should never, never, never be too busy to take the time to show that. Now, one of the things I can, I can say, my son's here, that, you know, when I was a pilot, you know, everything came first. I mean, that, unfortunately, you know, it's not good, but sometimes the business comes first and you would not be around. I think there's ways to compensate for that. But, you know, you're not there sometimes when they really need you. And our culture has changed from the back of the old farmer's days where, hey, the father and the mother lived on the farm. They were always there. They could always go to the parents. The kids were there. It wasn't that dad's gone for six months out of the year or for four days out of the week. And we all know what that is. Uh, things have changed quite a bit where it actually kind of pulls the family apart. And we need now to try to bring that family back together. How we're going to do it, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think until, in this book too, and, and I, I could read it, there's, there's a section in it that talks about the family is the key to the nation. It's a key to the schools. It's a key to morality of a nation. And he really laid it out real strong. And when the family breaks down, you start to see all kinds of problems. This is why one thing I come against computers real bad because, you know, and I'm guilty too. I can run in the other room and get in the computer and Karen's sitting out here by herself. You know, you can get addicted to that stupid thing. And 
I'm not knocking them because they, they can be very beneficial as well. But you go into homes now where every, every child, every parent has their own email. They got their own computer. And blah, 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 blah. And there's, there's I remember when I was, was down in, in uh, Woodenville, we had a friend of our daughter's came over for dinner. <laughs> she's, she's just kind of looking. She said, well, I haven't sat down with my parents to eat dinner like this in a long time. I mean, that's a sad indictment. But at least, you know, I think there's a time that, that I encourage families that when they have, when everybody's at home, at least have one thing. He was down at a dinner table where at least they can sit there together and eat. I mean, well, hey, the food's in the refrigerator. I'll see you. Bye. Are we so busy? I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, it's something that we all need to think about. We need to start to bring the family back together. And I believe if we bring the family back together you're going to have the Lord intervene. Uh, we need to have that time when you can be together. Because I understand there's times you can't be together, but at least when you are together, don't allow something of your own personal selfish to take you away from that time. I mean, I've, I'm enjoying having Steve back here because he comes over and eats with us at dinner, which is, which is kind of nice. Uh, it's kind of enjoyable. Uh, I think he likes Karen's cooking as well, but... <laughs> And he's not fussy about what he eats. And of course, if you come to my house uh, and you don't like the food, just don't come. Okay? You know, sit down and eat what's before you. This is good. I got to wait till Sean gets back from Africa uh, and see how, how he, he enjoyed the food because it's going to be different. Uh, and by the way, we laugh, but I can speak this for Doug. He had a hard time, Doug Brechtel, when he went with Pastor last time, I wasn't with him, but. He had a hard time. You know, he was accustomed to American food. He's never traveled around the world before. And you do get accustomed to food, and it's hard to be able to enjoy other people's food. And uh, he struggled with it. He, he admitted it. He struggled with it. But I think the next time he goes back, it'd be a lot easier. Uh, did he mention it in his message? So, well, there's... <laughs> You know, there, there's, there's a clean food and there's unclean food, so uh, that could be, could be a, a problem there, too. So. But anyway. So remember, when you feel that everything's against you, and you're going nowhere, never, never quit praying to God, crying out, because He does love you, and He will bring peace to you. you know, I don't know how He's going to bring peace to you, but He can bring peace to you. And if we had... If we had a bigger group here, I'd probably, you know, ask for some testimonies if they could recall any time where they were in a situation where the Lord brought peace, didn't solve the problem, okay? The problem was still there, Amen. but there, there came a peace about it in your mind, and when that peace settled in, it just came, gave you the right way in order to come out victorious at the other end. Well, you know, I traveled with Pastor, and I remember that one trip we were going to go to... Uh, Togo, West Africa. Oh, yeah. And he was very quiet all the way to the airport. The pastor was very, very quiet all the way to the airport. And we still had a ticket problem. And we'd already sent Bruce Haynes, who was already in his flight from New Orleans to Detroit. We get to the airport, and Pastor says, I don't have a piece. We're not going. Oh, and we turn around, we call Detroit. Northwest Airlines says, hey, when this man shows up, tell him to go back to New Orleans, that we're not going to Togo, West Africa. 
and they did. And but unfortunately, his luggage went all the way to Togo, West Africa. But that, we won't talk about that. But anyway, this is. A, but Pastor did not have a piece about it. So that's why I, when I'm traveling with Pastor, I really don't have a problem. When Peggy and Sean went with Pastor this trip, I didn't have a. When Pastor said he, he was going to go, I had I did I had a piece about it. Not a guarantee, but I had a piece about it. And this is the piece I think that God is talking about. It's a, it's a piece that you have, even in light of the situation, that you don't worry about it. In other words, don't worry. Worry is not of the Lord. He will give you peace. So anyway, it gives you a, a little bit of example of what, what God says, I can bring peace in, in situations. So hopefully... Uh, you got a little understanding of God's love for us and how He can bring peace in spite of the fact that we're going through some very, very challenging times. Let's stand and close in prayer. Ah, dear Heavenly Father, we just want to come before You, Lord. And Lord, we are so appreciative of Your love for us, Lord. And many, many times uh, You have to forgive us, Lord, because we do not comprehend the true love that You have for us, Lord. We do not comprehend the ability for you to bring peace, but Lord, you've shown us today through your word, Lord, and through the testimonies that you can bring peace to us in spite of all circumstances, Lord. And Lord, that we give you thanks, we give you praise, and Lord, let that continue to develop in our lives, Lord, that when things happen, Lord, and there's going to be a lot of things coming about, we know that's going to happen now, Lord, that you will give us your peace, Lord. And you'll see us through it, Lord, and give us the direction to go through it, Lord. And so we want to thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we just pray right now that there's a lot of illness and flu bugs going around, Lord. We just pray that those who have contacted it, Lord, that it will not develop into any type of serious pneumonia, Lord, or any type of consequences, Lord, but it'll just pass through their system, Lord. Pass through the system quickly, Lord. And we pray for those that are living in the homes of those that it will not pass to them, Lord. And Lord, we just pray for physical healing of those members of this fellowship that need your special touch, Lord. We pray for those that are traveling, Lord, with the team in Africa, Lord, as they're preparing right now, Lord, to make the return, Lord. We want to thank you for all that's happened to them, Lord, and give them a peace, Lord, in their minds that they did what you called them to do, Lord and let the fruit develop from it, Lord. Let peace come to that nation of Kenya, Lord. Let the words that were spoken, Lord, through the prophet, Lord, touch the lives of the leaders of that nation, Lord. And let peace come that only you can bring, Lord. And Lord, as we complete this Sabbath day, Lord, let us rest in your peace, Lord. And let us be able to sing that joyful songs of praises that only you can give us, Lord, in those times, Lord. And once again, Lord, forgive us, Lord. Let us forgive ourselves, Lord, for things that we've done and we have a hard time with, Lord. And Lord, let us be washed with your precious blood, Lord. Let us be cleansed with your precious blood, Lord. And let us be able to come into your presence, Lord, and just ask and talk and confirm with you, Lord, knowing that you are our true <coughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, and that your love for us is unconditional, Lord. And Lord, help us, Lord. Now to be faithful, Lord. Let it help us to be obedient, Lord, to your word, Lord, so that we do not have to keep continually coming back and asking for forgiveness, Lord, but we can come back and give your praise and your, and your love and your glory, Lord. Be with us all now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism. Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and Its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment? has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus, if laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360 629 
1-800-242-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.